This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. A little Beyonce to get you started. I know you're, you are welcome. You are welcome. Thank you so much. So as people come in, people on uh, with us virtual, hi. Hello, welcome to our podcast, Diversifying Podcast, The Landscape Overall. Thank you guys for joining. I am Nikki Buchanan, Nicole Buchanan. I work for SXM Media. We are the sales arm for SiriusXM, Stitcher, Pandora, and AdWiz. And today we're here to talk to you about podcasts and the creators. Part of our focus is bringing advertising to the podcasts and shows within our network to help them uh, grow revenue and push out additional fantastic content. So today I'm going to bring up, I'm excited. I don't know if anybody else is excited. I'm super excited. I am sitting on the stage with three icons, okay? And I don't throw that loosely. This is very important. So first up, I'd like to introduce a culture shifter. Uh, he is solely responsible for all the shows in my DVR. His name is Carlos King. He is the host of the More Sauce Network's <laughs> Reality with the King. Please come up. Awesome, awesome. Next up is someone who is, in fact, legendary. Um, he is a veteran within the radio space and the podcast space currently. His name is Eddie Pioline Satello, a veteran, a legend. He is the host of El Pioline, a radio show and podcast on Revolver Networks. And last but certainly not least, our queen of the panel, uh, Aloshi Akaram, who who is the founder of Jade Media and really responsible for pushing a lot of the buttons behind the scenes for a lot of our podcasts. Welcome. So I'll let Alosi get her seat. I am just super excited to have you all here. Um, and I don't throw around icon loosely. I think I said that before. I would love for you guys to just Again, just reintroduce yourselves, talk a little bit about your careers in the space, and then just the role of your shows and the content that you push out um, in the overall podcast ecosystem. So I'm going to start with ladies first. Alosi. Hello. Okay, my name is Alosi Yakaro. I am the co-founder of Jade Media, and I've been working in podcasting for a few years, but we work with Sirius XM and Stitcher really around audience development and helping them reach those core audiences that they may not or already organically reach. So this could be, you know, helping find complementary partners that make sense or other influencers that make sense, thinking of big ideas around launches, this could be everything from helping producers and creatives optimize their social content to make sure that they're, you know, what they're making is being seen. And so we're really helping, you know, connect SiriusXM with the culture. Awesome, awesome. Eddie. Okay, so I, I work for a syndication show. We have 54 stations. And then after that, we work with Revolver. It's a great partnership with Revolver on podcasts. And, um, and it's amazing to see, you know, how a lot of people, they uh, really download our show. It's amazing to see that now it's uh, spending. And, and now it's a lot of work to do because we have to worry about all the platforms now to reach all the community. 
and it's amazing to see, you know, how people is really, you know, into the podcast. I mean, I'm impressed how it's growing so much. Yeah, very good, Carlos. Yes, I'm Carlos King, and I am a creator and executive producer of reality shows, um, Love and Marriage Huntsville in D.C. on the Oprah Winfrey Network, and my podcast is called Reality with the King, hence the title. So for me, it's about giving my fans who watch the shows I produce, even dating back to the Real Housewives of Atlanta. So we do exclusive interviews from everyone from, I mean, you name it, think about it. We got Megan McCain on the show before uh, because she's in the unscripted space. We had Tammy Roman from Basketball Wives. We had Nico Anna, who plays Uncle Claire from P-Valley. So we, we sort of are the go-to podcast for lovers of unscripted, but we also talk about the reality of these celebrities' lives, too. So we get to go deeper in the conversation of the entertainment landscape. Uncle Clifford rule number 123. Yeah. <laughs> Let's tackle some myths. So in this conversation, I hope you understand that we're going to definitely big up uh, the creators here today, but we're also going to do a little bit of myth busting. Uh, there's a lot of swirling misconceptions just about the BIPOC creator space, but also the audiences they serve. And so we're definitely going to tap into that. But before we do that, I do want to know a little bit more about your motivations, your aspirations. So Eddie... And one of the things that I like is, yes. you know, trying to help the uh, community. We have immigration lawyers on my show. We have uh, doctors. And, um, yes, we interview celebrities, too. You do know. comedy, too. You do comedy. Yes. You know, we, 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 I mean, it's amazing to see um, that we try to bring the, the experts and the tools for my community. Because so, we have a phrase that we always mention why we came to the United States to triumph. So every time I, I ask a question um, to my listeners, you know, they answer to triumph. Hey, why, aquí venimos a Estados Unidos a triunfar in Spanish. And uh, it's amazing, that, you know, how people, they love to, because they want to keep growing. They want to be successful in life too. So that's what we provide. We make people laugh, but at the same time, you know, we do prank calls. And, um, but at the same time, we try to give them exactly what they need to know about, you know, health, how can they, we, we surprise, you know, different people with uh, celebrities too. We try to do a special things for our community yeah. because, you know, our community really works so hard. You know, the people that works here in the Sheraton, you know, cleaning the, uh, the rooms and the, 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 uh, the kitchen, that's our community, that's our people, and they want to keep growing. We came to the United States to really provide for our families and um, so we try to, I, mean, I try to do that you know, on the show to make sure that they receive those um, advices from I experts. Love, I love that. I love that. So you are currently, now you've interviewed like two presidents. Yes. Jennifer Lopez and Fluffy, right? I mean, you know, this, it runs the gamut. You go from top to bottom, bottom to top. So um, you're a veteran by podcast standards, but you're also with Revolver Networks. And I think it's really important to kind of talk about that because Revolver Networks really brings content um, in both English and Spanish. And so you kind of touched on that a little bit. But why did you choose Revolver? Man, I know Jack. You know Jack? I know Jack since a long time ago when uh, he used to do uh, radio. And uh, when I met this guy, he's incredible. He likes to uh, get into places where nobody's able to go in. But <laughs> he goes all the way in uh, because he knows that that's the, the only way. Because he opens the doors where sometimes 
uh, nobody can go in. But uh, and I admire him. You know, I see that he's an amazing uh, person that wants to bring a team to the uh, revolver platform, and uh, there's no limits for him. And that's what I like. You know, I like that because I'm the same. You know, I'm I'm not afraid to go in different places and to interview um, the candidates, the congressmen, or yeah. or go to Washington to the White House, to the president, I'm not afraid of that because I think it's important to be like a bridge to communicate to our people exactly what the plan they have for this amazing country of the United States. Yeah, I think your conversations really represent that. And so you as, I don't want to call you OG, but I feel like I'm an OG too, so we're going to OG together. But um, when you think about that, how has your show changed over the years? And how has it changed? Um, what is the transition to podcast? How is that, what does that look like? I, I think we, I think uh, even in our lives, we need to change and improve and keep learning from different and amazing people that, you know, are here that I had the chance to speak to. And, um, I mean, the show, you need to be more creative. You need to be, uh, I think, uh, um, sometimes you have to be before it goes to the TV. <laughs> you know, we have to. You gotta be quick. What was that? You gotta be fast. Oh, yeah, we need to yeah. be fast. You know, you need to be greater. I mean, I'm the type of person that, uh, I mean, I don't really uh, rest so much. Um, I work 24-7, and anybody can reach me anytime, you know, they need me, because that's the way the media is right yeah. now, and you need to be on top of everything. Yeah, so then when you think about your content and where we're going and the pace of light, how we're moving at the face, pace of life, what's the biggest challenge that you see for our industry, um, particularly for podcasts these days? Well, one of the challenge is that uh, you need to um, provide for you know the uh, the podcast, the YouTube channel. I mean, all the platforms. That's the challenge that we have to do, like bringing more people to the team and um, let them know that uh, we have you know one reason to work for that is to provide for our community, and they have to be like really, really you know uh, ready to work hard because. I mean, I think we're here because we work hard, maybe because we work, you know, 24-7. Yeah. And that's why I, I like to know people like that, that they can come to the team and uh, really deliver what our community needs. I love that. I love that. So, Carlos. Hi. <laughs> you are new to the podcast space, but a veteran in the entertainment industry. Would it be fair to say you're a franchise builder? Let's talk about it. So, um, yes, let's, let's say that. Love and Marriage, Huntsville, Real Housewives, the whole thing, mm -hmm. The Bachelor. So you just stay booked and busy. You just you're not you're not you're not sitting around just waiting for. I'm like to Eddie. Happen. I like to work, so yeah. you know I, I I take pride and pleasure in creating shows for people to watch. So awesome. I'm glad your DVR is filled. Full. That's good. So then, why? Um, what made you want to start a podcast, and why now? What's interesting is, like you said earlier, my career started from being behind the scenes. So working on these reality shows from the Real Housewives of Atlanta, New Jersey, um, Love and Hip Hop. So I always had this interesting trajectory in terms of being from Detroit, Michigan, moving to New York City and getting into the business, interning at The View, which I got so many stories to tell. Okay. <laughs> That's another panel. <laughs> but, it, so for me, I have all of this information. So for the longest time, I've been approached for years to do a podcast, but I wanted to make sure that the time I came out to do it, 
I was at the point in my career where my voice mattered. I love that. I love that. Yeah. You know, I think oftentimes people just accept any opportunity presented to them. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think it's a time. So then fast forward to last year, a woman named Jasmine Henley-Brown, who's an executive producer at um, Stitcher, she slid in my DMs the professional way <laughs> and wanted to talk about a podcast for one of my other shows. And from there, she and I just developed this rapport so much so, she said, would you ever be interested in doing a podcast? And I was like, I've said no so many times, but it was this connection that I had with her, this black woman who was, you know, not was, is, who's super smart and, and, and knows me. Like, she, she said to me, like, I've been following you for so many years, and it was nice to have somebody who understood me. And because of her, I said yes. And the ball just kept rolling. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. And people, I mean, our first episode, we were in People Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, Us Weekly. Like the earned media that the podcast gets is so overwhelming. And it's because I, I, I know for a fact that the timing was right. That's awesome. So what was, you know, I love that you said where well, your voice mattered. You know, being in the audio space, we just know the importance of audio and the voice and hearing. What was the most surprising thing about being in the podcast space for you? Who the comment section, <laughs> people's opinion. I mean, Lord Jesus. It got so, spicy? Oh, it still is spicy. I mean, my DMs and comment section is off the chain. So again, I make people stars. Like I'm a star maker. So I get pleasure in doing that. So working with like a NeNe Leaks, you know, who I saw this woman become just this regular human being to this bona fide legend in the reality TV zeitgeist. And I saw how she handled fame and handled people commenting and judging her, as well as the other women. And I would be like, girl, don't read the comments, you're crazy. Like, how are you gonna make your life, you know, this way because of what someone say? They're a stranger, child. Lord, when this podcast dropped and it started happening to me, I was like, oh, this is, this is what y'all was going through? And because reality TV is a genre where it isn't a script, it's real people living their real lives, you're open up to so much judgment. And because I have more positive than anything, let me just start by saying that, but it's that small fraction of people who are like, haters. what do haters. you know? And I'm like, honey, I know more than you do. Yeah, <laughs> Be clear. I make stars. Uh, so more Sauce is a division within our network that basically pushes out content from the perspective of black creators and the black listenership for anyone. Um, it's not just for black, but it's more of a kickback experience. What was most important? I mean, you spoke about Jasmine, mm -hmm. but what was most important about joining the, the More Sauce network? Well, the thing about it is, listen, I'm a, I'm a black gay man from Detroit, Michigan, and I've always been somebody who knew that in order for us to have a voice in this industry, we all have to rally together to support each other. And that was part of the reason why I joined More Sauce is because, yes, Jasmine is a black woman who not only just understood me, but she looked like me or my sister, and I just felt this instant connection. And I wanted to be somebody who 
really walked what they talked. It's one thing to just talk about it, but I want to be about it, because I do believe in inclusion, diversity, obviously. And I wanted to just be a part of something that really promoted diversity in the podcasting space, because this podcasting space, as you all know, is, is, is huge, yeah. and it's a lot of voices and meaningful voices. So I wanted to make sure that we had a podcast that spoke to my audience, right, which is black women, black men, the LGBTQIA plus community, but also just a, a, a wide community. Yeah. And that's the reason why our earned media really does go from People Magazine to the Shade Room. Yes, and it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so, Alosi, I, um, I connect with you a lot just because you are the magic that brings the marketers and the strategy to podcasts in general. Can you tell us what's been most interesting about your experience in growing audiences for more sauce? I think what's been most interesting is so interesting that you mentioned is the earned media. I find that the More Sauce podcasts are always a part of the cultural conversation that's happening at the moment. And so what I find with podcasts, you know, a lot of them is like, you know, you don't necessarily know what's going on unless you're going deep into it. But what I find with the More Sauce podcast is that they find a way to always be a part of the cultural conversation at the moment. For example, Rory and Maul just did an interview with DJ Drama that ended up on TMZ, Complex, Source. Right. And this is a conversation, an organic conversation they're having with one of their like industry friends. And I think it's just so interesting how essentially it goes beyond audio and thinking about podcasting and the content that's made of it more integrated, thinking about how does it show up on social, how does it show up on, you know, in the news, yeah. how does it show up in the different ways as opposed to, oh, this only exists in audio. It's much more three-dimensional than that. I love that. I love that. And it's all good. Like, it can, it it can do great. two things at once. It can yeah. chew, gum, and walk. Great. Can you give us some examples of some of the successes that you've seen or what, what success looks like from yeah. your realm? Well, one, I think to me, success is more than scale. I'm just going to say that. To me, success is about having an audience that's super, super engaged. And that's typically what you have with black and brown podcasts is an audience that's very vocal that because they see themselves and you're talking to them, they're talking back to you. And so that deep engagement that earned media that you get, I feel that um, those are one of the things that we always want to cultivate within the producers and the content that we're working. So some of the successes, you know, I'll mention Rory and Mall again. You know, we really, before they, you know, before we were working with them, they already had a really strong social media strategy that, you know, leaned into memes, that leaned into, you know, leaned into kind of the jargon that they have developed within their audience. And so we told them, and, you know, how do you, you know, this is, I don't want to say it's boring, but you know, how do you be proactive in what you're talking about? How do you create a content calendar that allows you to be able to think about all the things that are happening in the ear? So you, of course you can be you know, proactive with those things, but it allows you to be reactive and helping them refine their social and content strategy. And again, not just thinking about their podcast as this one thing that lives in audio, but thinking about, oh, I have this dynamic, rich piece of content and I can chop it up multiple pieces and serve it up to the people who need it most. Can you come with me on my sales calls? Because yes, I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> you are smart. Okay. Um, so it's really exciting to hear, you know, just the genesis of the launches of everyone's work. I think, you know, working for Stitcher, working for uh, SiriusXM, one of the things that we do really well, having a dedicated multicultural audience is we cape for BIPOC audiences, but not in the way, and when I say cape, I mean we put on our cape and we're superheroes, but we're superheroes in the data and research perspective where we kind of fill the gaps where, you know, we get some of those weird questions. So when we think about myth busting, I'd love 
love to kind of dive into a couple of myths and, and get you guys POV. So one of the myths that we always hear uh, from a sales lens is that BIPOC audiences have not yet made it to podcasts. And I think by testament of everyone here, that's definitely false. And we actually partnered with a third-party company, Edison Research, to really kind of explore that a little bit more. And what we found was that 36% of Latino audiences report listening to a podcast in the last month. And what that represents is 40, a 44% increase from 2021. That's higher. That's faster than the gas prices rose in California. You see what I'm saying? So, Eddie... What do you attribute? How do you? What do you? What do you think attributes to this change, the shift um, in listenership? And then, what's been your experience with some of the newer listeners that you're getting to your your podcast? Well, I think um, you know our people. They work so hard. Our community, you know, and uh, they see that they have the chance to play the the uh, podcast while they're driving back home or any time of the weekends, you know. And uh, I think that's why you see the the uh, percentage so high because um, they already know they're part of this world too. Yeah. And I never thought it was going to happen like that. You know, before when I, when Jack, you know, called me, I'm like, I don't know, I'm really busy, you know, with radio, there's a radio, let me see what's going to happen. But he's like, come on, let's do it. So we start doing it and, um, and I saw like uh, people that, uh, that they say, you know what, I listen to you on the podcast because I cannot listen to you when you go live because I'm working. And I see, uh, I mean, increasing of uh, people like that, that they tell me, you know what, uh, can we participate on the contest if I listen to you on the podcast? And I say, yes, of course, you know, you cannot let them outside because that's they're right. not listening on the radio. So, so, yeah, I mean, I see, that's why I see a lot of increase. Yeah, and audio kind of slips in all the spaces. Like, you can drive and hear and listen, Correct. so it's great. Another truth is that 26% of black Americans listen to podcasts on a weekly basis. That compares to 28% of the general market. So the gap is not that huge. It's only 2%. So Elosi, in your experience, what brings black audiences to certain mediums over others? I mean, the audience is not a monolith, right? So I think with that in mind... That's a t-shirt. Listen, not a monolith. black is not a monolith. <laughs> Trademark. Um, <laughs> um, but... Um, Sorry, I, I was so busy cracking jokes. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was, I said, what brings black audiences to certain Okay, meetings? so what brings black audiences? Because they're not a monolith, they do want to see themselves reflected. They want to see themselves celebrated. And really, those, and it doesn't always have to, I mean, of course, preferably through someone who looks like them, talking about them in a way that's empathetic, but seeing the black experience reflected in new and interesting ways. Because most people, I think, ingest black content as a monolith, even when I think about the shows on More Sauce, they're so different. They have such, you know, there's, yes, it's a black millennial audience, but the duplication is not the same because the interests are not the same. And so there's an opportunity to be able to reflect these voices you know, when I worked at Essence, one of the things that did really well for us was street style, because if you saw yourself in a photo, you're like, I'm telling everyone, my mom, my grandma, it's going on social, it goes in my newsletter, wherever it can be. And so people really want to see, you know, I mean, we all have that same feeling. You want to see something that reflects you and not reflects the worst of you, but that shows the multidimensionality of you. And I think there's just so much content that's still yet to be explored in the black space. We haven't, I wouldn't even say we've scratched the surface. We're like breathing on the surface. So there's still, you know, I, in conclusion, black audiences want to see themselves reflected. I love it. And then Carlos is someone who's kind of newish 
to the podcast landscape, what uh, what do you think the industry can do to get more black creators into podcasts or just BIPOC creators into the podcast? Yeah, I think it was what Jasmine did, my EP, sliding some DMs. You know, <laughs> don't be afraid to ask because without her asking, I would not be here sitting on the stage today. Because it wasn't even in my, you know, mindset to do a podcast at that time. I have so much going on, owning a company, producing shows that I was like, I got to add another thing to my plate. So I definitely think just reaching out to those people and making sure your voice is heard. Because I'm active on social media, I host reunion specials for my shows. You know, I made sure that my voice was out there in a way that was meaningful so that when the time came, it's, it's, and it's an audience that's been waiting for me because people would tweet me so long like, please give us your greatest housewives list. And I'd be like, child, I got time for that. I got to think about it too. So it was that's a strategy. You. <laughs> you that, was one of them? Okay. Yeah, that was me too. You know, but it was a strategy for us. So, you know, I told Jasmine, I said, the first episode has to be my greatest housewives list because it's something that I know people are dying to know. And it was a very strategic way of bringing my social media followers to the podcast because those people are very diverse and I wanted to bring them to the podcasting space. Yeah. And that's been what's interesting about this world that we're in because we launched April this year. Yep. So we're still fairly new and we went to number one after two days of launch. So it was like, yeah, okay. let's keep going. I love that. I love that. And I know your fans are called Raindrops, right? Yes. Oh, and, and you have such a huge following too. Do you have a name? You need a name for your followers. We're going to have to think about it. What do you think about it? Well, I mean, <laughs> I just, I just tell them that, you know, they're my, um, my uh, my listeners that you know they came to um, triumph to the United States. Yeah, so and that's the way you call them. You know, yeah. so you know what you guys are part of because we have a segment that I like that we create this year actually, where um, we give the opportunity to the uh, business owners, like you know a taqueria, a restaurant, a uh, somebody who's clean houses that they have a company like that, or landscapers, construction guys. We have a segment that we call, especially, you know, yep. you know, how do you do that? You know, how do you become uh, to be the owner of your business? And we give the opportunity, and they tell us a story in uh, four or five minutes. And, um, and we, I mean, I let them give the uh, phone number so they can keep growing. Mm -hmm. And because um, I, I want to make sure. And, and you know what? One of the surprises that I have that some of the owners, they say, Piolin, if somebody wants to have a, business like mine and you know in uh, Dallas or LA or Chicago they can call me I can help them to do to 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 walk them you wow. know and that's amazing that segment I love that segment I mean it's really exciting to hear the amazing stories of uh, our people that how do they start it you know how do they start a business yeah. you know and and uh, that segment is it's it's growing a lot and people they're not afraid of uh, they send me a message we didn't have a I have a taqueria, and, and I'm over here in East LA, and I want to mention, you know, my story, how I, I became the owner. So, so that motivates all, other people, you know, Absolutely. even for me. And, they, and that segment gives you ideas uh, of what, what to do. Like, you never thought about, for example, there's a, there's a guy that, um, the, 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 he goes to the houses, he has a business, and with a little truck, and um, he has the, uh, he's the owner of the business that cleans the uh, the dogs, oh. 
you know it's amazing i'm like i never thought about creating a business you know of that. when i was seven i thought about it because i was cleaning it was <laughs> and like, he just he just goes like for five minutes he's peeling it's so easy and i get paid really good and i just ha- i have my business and i go to different houses and communities and that's what i do i'm like i never thought about that so that segment i let my listeners know that hey you can get ideas from yeah. this segment that's right how you know what what can you do to create your own business and it's amazing to see, you know, how people, that you never thought, you know, like fixing garage doors. You ne- never thought about those things. And All that, of that. That, that segment is really yeah. good that I like to do um, every day. The sense of community, I think, is, you know, with those micro conversations and just the safety in that and the, you know, how we bounce back and forth. No, and it's fun because sometimes, you know, he's like, hey, I didn't want to do that. But my wife told me that you better do it. <laughs> it's you always the wife's do fault. your own business. And I'm like, okay, so I should be interviewing your wife, not you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, myth number two. Only audiences at scale provide advertisers with ROI. So the truth is that 75% of Latino podcast listeners say they are likely to purchase, you just kind of hit on this, a brand on a podcast hosted by Latinos. So I know this isn't surprising to you. This is obvious to me as well. How do you work with advertisers to create ads that connect with the audience? You know, I'm the type of person that always believe to deliver more than what you expect. Uh And that's a t-shirt, that's a t-shirt. I liked uh, to have direct communication with um, the sponsors. I like to be part of the team, part of the family of them. And like I say, you know, before they can call me anytime. If uh, if uh, we need some changes, we need to make some changes. Let's make it because I want to make sure that you're successful. Yeah. I want to make sure that we keep growing together, you know. And um, I try to get involved, like say, you know, um, some of the uh, agencies and clients to make sure that we do that we make a difference with the community too, you know. And uh, when they believe in that, I love it. I love to work with, yeah. you know that type of company or agencies, because um, it's really important to do that. You know, it yes. feels really good when you do that. And like when we do like uh, red carpets on the movies, I'm, I like to bring my listeners. Small flex. To, to experience okay. that, you know, to experience that. Yeah. And when agencies believe that, I love it because, I mean, there's some people that, uh, I mean, taking to some of the red carpets, uh, they work as uh, agriculture. They never thought they were going to be walking on the red carpet yeah. to have the experience that I'm blessed to have, you know. And, um, and for them, it's like they open their, their um, vision. That, oh, man, I can, I can do more things, you know. That's right. And, and when I see the agencies that they really want to work extra mile because that's the way I work. I love that. You know, I say, you know what? We can do a great thing. I love that because um, social impact is so much a part of everything we're doing. We're being asked to step up in that way from advertisers. And so that's exactly what you've really quantified. For black audiences, we hear that a black podcast creator, when they hear from a black podcaster, they develop brand trust, consideration, and purchase intent. They all increase over 80%. I didn't say 18. I said 80%. So, Carlos, with that in mind... Success all around. What has been your experience with advertisers? Oh, it's been great. And I think it's, it's been a big collaboration. And because I'm so authentic and my audience knows when I like something, because I will let you know if I don't like anything. So the collaboration between me and the advertisers have been great because I make sure that I only 
speak about things that I love so that it can be this connection that I have with the brand and to the audience because you are right. I know that, and it's funny because I was promoting this show on Amazon and a few people tweeted me. It was like, honey, you talked about that Amazon show so much, I had to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you kept oh. advertising it. So that just goes to show you, the, again, the power of your voice I and making sure you have the connection with your audience. I love it. Okay, I'm going to go to myth number three, which is my favorite. Reaching BIPOC audience, audiences is hard. It's difficult. Reaching BIPOC audiences is difficult. And that, the truth about that is that that is also false. 77% um, of U.S. Latino podcast listeners listens to podcasts with a video component. And so, Losi, when you think about that, Understanding that we are multi-platformed as an audience, as consumers, understanding that something like a more sauce are, you know, is definitely reaching not just BIPOC. It can't be that hard. No, it's not that hard. <laughs> like, it's not that hard at all. I think, well, one of the things I think that folks need to do, especially advertisers, is one, listen to the research, like what you just said, to be able to inform their decisions. Because when you know that, you know, BIPOC audiences, they like video alongside with their the rest of their content, and that could be for print, that could be, that really does go across any kind of platform. It allows you to think more integrated, and it allows you to be able to think beyond just the audio, but again, how does this express itself on social? How does it express itself in a live event? How does it express itself in other ways? Another thing that I think that is super easy, maybe because I come from the world of Afropunk in essence, is that you get, I think you guys prove it, is if as an advertiser, there's a level of trust that you need to have with the people that you're collaborating with and allowing them to be able to take your brand message and serve it up to their audience in the way that they best know. They know their audience's taste better than you do. So you trying to serve up a dish to their audience that they've never tasted before, you might need a little bit more salt on it. You might need some tahine. So you need to be able to be able to bring them something that they know, because honestly, when you think about print advertising, when you think about uh, TV advertising, it's very one note. The, the creative is the creative, but to be able to have what's akin to me to an endorsement that is in the voice, an intimate voice of someone that you trust, and like you said, something that they can vet, something that they can talk about and contextualize to me is one of the most powerful forms of advertising. Also, by virtue of being podcasting, you can't just skip over it anyways. And so I think that there's a way to editorialize advertising and podcasting that you can't really do unless you're doing clear branded content. And I, so I think for advertisers, if they're willing to have some trust, if they're willing to have also some commitment, yeah. and then be able to listen and learn, because I think that marketing is really just a relationship. And when you're having a relationship mm -hmm. with these audiences, it's just if I decide to be your friend, I'm not just going to be like, hey, girl, let's go to the beauty parlor. I need to understand what do you like to do? Are you an early riser? Are you a late riser? So that yeah. opportunity <laughs> of learning the audience and understanding how do I integrate with them and connect with them deeper and deeper, it's actually, to me, more meaningful and allows you to have a bigger cultural footprint. Because as I said before, you know, when you have the, you know, creators like this that are always a part of the zeitgeist, it's more than just, you know, oh, my ad ran and that was it. You just get so much ROI. I think about getting Squarespace because I listened to the read and using the 40% off discount and being like, oh, okay, because they vetted it. They talked about how they used it for their own podcast. That's right. And they were able to contextualize it in a way that made, made me trust them and trust Squarespace. And so I think advertisers, especially black and brown creators, there's so much trust and there's so much brand loyalty once you do it right that it may not give you the scale you want, but to be able to touch the culture in that way, I mean, you could 
programmatic cookie it up if you want to, but I don't think you're going to get the same impact. Did you say programmatic cookie it up? You know, I have feelings about I love that. cookies. Uh, <laughs> so um, those are the myths we have for today. Um, I want to open it up to questions, but before we do, I would just ask everyone, what's the advice you would give for a new BIPOC creator trying to break into podcasting? I'll start. Well, one, I will say do it. I feel if Shark Week can exist, you can literally make whatever it is that you want to make. Make the content. I promise you, even if it's just 100 people who listen to your podcast, 100 people who buy everything that you say is more than having 1,000 listeners, 5,000 listeners who listen to you in passing who don't get towards the end of your episode. So make the content do deep engagement. And then the third thing is just think integrated. Think beyond just, oh, this is audio. Think about, I always like to use the analogy of your content is like a piece of chicken, right? And so I might make this roast chicken, but I might serve it up with some, you know, some sides one day. It might be a sandwich another day. It might be something else for someone else. You just need to figure out what is it that people have the palate for from this super rich piece of content that you're creating because you have this long form piece of content. You don't have to work as hard as you think. And the second thing is network across. There are people who will help you, you know, that are right next to you. I think your book should be called Content is Like a Piece of Chicken. Yeah, listen. That, that is I'm ready. Real. <laughs> snaps, snaps all around. Uh, Carlos and Eddie. Well, I believe that um, you have to do it. I think uh, everybody has a great story that uh, a lot of people would like to hear. And your story can bring a lot of enrichment to your life. And... Um, I think we're looking for different content, even us, you know, even me, I'm trying to keep learning every day, you know, from different people that sometimes, you know, they have like on, only like a hundred followers, but guess what? They have great content. That's the way you start. Everything starts with small steps. Like when you grow up, you know, when you're a baby, you keep growing. I mean, you keep growing, you keep uh, moving forward. And I believe that, um, I mean, nobody... It's less important, you know. A lot of people that they have a great content talking about, about different things, like situations that they had uh, on their life. How do they do that? How do they were able to um, get up from that, you know, knockdown of life? I love to hear that. And sometimes I reach them and I interview them, even though they don't have a lot of followers. I don't care about that. I care about the story of their life. Because that teaches me a lesson to me. So it's going to teach another lesson to improve their lives to my listeners. All right. And Carlos? I'll just say just be authentic to what you're passionate about. Because at the end of the day, it's not easy to do a podcast, especially when you have one dropping twice a week. You have to be committed. And it doesn't, I mean, it shouldn't feel like work. So with everything I have going on, I love the podcasting space. And I could do it five days a week. Ron, we'll talk. <laughs> don't, don't get any ideas. Ron says, but I, less. He said, okay, let me just write the contract. No, but I love it so much. So listen, I love Beyonce. I love politics. But nobody wants to hear me talk about Beyonce twice a week for a year. Well, maybe. Who knows? But I make sure that I served an audience that really wanted to hear my voice when it came to a genre that I love so much because I can talk about reality TV all day long. So I made sure to do something that I was passionate about, but I also know my audience. And I wanted to just give them this special treat that I knew they could gobble up and spread the word. And I think that's the biggest thing um, you were saying too in terms of 
you want people to go out there and say, you must listen to this. You have to listen to this. If you love this topic, you must go to this podcast, subscribe to it, and listen to it. And I'm hoping that that's what I'm bringing to this space. Living legends. I mean, come on. Can we get a round of applause for you? <laughs> so, so we have about a minute or so. If anyone has any questions, I don't know if we're calling or passing a mic. We're passing a mic. Oh, yeah, he has a loud voice. We'll go with you. Go ahead. about engagement in, in podcasting, which has always been, because the, the, the content doesn't lend itself to commenting in so many ways, how much of your, when I started podcasting, it was bastardized YouTubing, you did not want to YouTube. Now it's such a big part of podcasting. How much of your audience is coming from that engaged platform that you know has a discovery tools? A lot from YouTube or is it all audio? All you guys. I think I think it's a good mix. We're starting to explore the like what that conversation is around YouTube. We definitely know it's present, but the majority is definitely from the audio space, and then the YouTube space is added. So, like doing audiograms after the fact, that kind of thing, not including the, the video. Yeah, component. for some reason, when you grab the mic, you got lower. Yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> not not including the video component, or are you? Oh including? yes, yes, yes. Okay, for let me re-ask it. I know we only got a minute. Put on my radio voice. Uh, so you're all talking about engagement as as being when we know that's a huge part of. But how much of your audience is coming from the YouTube space, the VOD space, oh, where yes. engagement is encouraged, and YouTube is a discovery app where iTunes really is not. Yeah. So on the Stitcher platform, we're pure audio play. We're starting to explore the YouTube space. We know that it's present. Um, so I don't have a real true blue answer for that. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, so we're not on YouTube, we're audio only, and what we do when I tape my conversations with my guests, we record it for video, and I use that as a promotional tool, because people love to see what I gotta say too. So, but we use that, and what's interesting is the earned media we're talking about, the YouTubers, the bloggers, the YouTube, you know, reviewers, they'll pick up the episode that I'm talking about, and do these videos on it. So the YouTube audience will say, I saw a snippet of his video. Let me go listen to the full conversation on the podcast. Oh, 100%. Yeah. One more question. We have like a minute. Uh, oh. oh, we've got to wrap up. We will definitely walk back and say hello. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.